The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome to it. It is the uh, Monday night edition. How about that? 7.07. Uh, we're ready to go. We hope you are as well. John Pincus is in the other, uh, the other chair, ready to take your calls. Answer your questions. Phone lines plenty, and they are open. 416-870-6400. You have questions about your severance pay, possibly feeling that your job is going to be uh, gone very shortly, maybe coming back off temporary layoff due to COVID-19 or anything else you've ever wondered, uh, current or otherwise, about your job or for a friend or a family member, colleague, no problem. Call us ready to take all calls. It is a live show, and you make it that much better. Don't be bashful. Let's uh, let's get the talk underway. 416-870-6400. Again, the number to reach out. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. John, you got a couple things off the hop for the uh, the week that was, brother. What's going on? I do. I've got a few situations to talk about today that right. hopefully people will uh, be able to uh, relate to in some way and, and uh, be able to speak uh, on the show, call in, talk about your friend situation, your family situation, or your own, and we're happy to answer your questions today. So the first situation involves someone who was working on an assembly line as a manu- at a manufacturing facility. And for about the last 25 years, this person's schedule had been Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Well, all of a sudden, COVID-19 hits, and immediately 50 people are put on a temporary layoff. He was one of them. Now, the company's gearing up to get back to normal operations, but not everyone is coming back. And this individual who contacted me was told, okay, we're going to bring you back to work, same salary, but we've reduced the day shift. So we need to place you on a night shift. And uh, by the way, that night shift's going to run from Wednesday to Sunday. But this was a big problem for him. For one thing, this person had no interest in working the night shift and hadn't had to do it for the last 25 years. But even worse, this is actually someone who was uh, religiously observant, and working on weekends was seriously going to conflict with those obligations. And he tried to reason with the company, but he found it was just no use. So he came to me and he said, well, what do I do here? And the first thing I asked him was whether he'd been laid off before and whether he had ever agreed to temporary layoffs. Well, no, he hadn't. He hadn't agreed, and he hadn't been laid off before. So right there, there's a potential constructive dismissal. But if that was not a constructive dismissal, the change in his shift and the violation of his religious accommodation needs certainly was a constructive dismissal. And the key here was that even leaving the religious accommodation issue aside, this was a shift that he'd never had to work for in 25 years. And going from a day shift to a night shift is a dramatic change. It's just not something that he had to accept. So the company is going to have much to answer for here and certainly will be paying him a severance package. And the key takeaway here is that he called us before he went back and took the night shift. Now, if he had come back, worked for a few months, and then decided, you know what, actually, this is not working for me, that could have been a problem because the company, of course, would have argued that he had acquiesced to the change, that he had accepted the change. Unfortunately, he did not because he was smart enough to get legal advice early on. And this is someone who could easily be owed 18 months or 20 months of pay. So he's going to be very glad that he contacted us. Again, to reach out any time to, uh, to John like that, you can do so. one 821 5900 Good thing that you do. one 821 5900 would be the way, or the email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Just getting a couple calls lined up here. When they're ready, we'll, uh, we'll get to them. Uh, John, you want to cover your uh, one more thing you had for the week that was? Go ahead. 
Yeah, so the other situation is a little different. It involves also involves a long service employee. In this case, someone who had been working for a fairly large organization for about 35 years. And recently, his employment was terminated without cause due to restructuring, and he was offered 12 months' pay, okay, 12 months' pay. In its termination letter, the company uh, cited a termination clause in an offer letter he'd signed about 10 years ago uh, when he got his most recent pay raise. And they said, well, under the Employment Standards Act, you're actually only entitled to 34 weeks, about eight months, so we're being very generous in offering you another 18 weeks on top of that. Well, of course, the first thing I did is I took a look at the termination clause in his employment agreement, and it was completely illegal and unenforceable. So this is someone who is entitled to his full common law severance. And you'd better believe that after 35 years, this is someone who is entitled to be treated very generously. Two years pay is what I assessed his entitlements would be, which for him is tens and tens of thousands of dollars more uh, than he was offered. So thank goodness he didn't sign that release because this is someone who's going to be out of work for a long time and is really going to need the support. So just a reminder to everyone out there uh, who is an employee, when your employer is relying on a termination clause, even if they are offering you more or much more than that termination clause says you're owed, make sure you have it reviewed by a lawyer because the vast, vast majority of termination clauses are not enforceable and not legal. Sage advice, my friend. 416-870-6400 is the way to make that call. Steve, good afternoon. How are you? Or good evening. How are you, pal? Good, sir. How are you? Excellent. What's on your mind? Um, I'm calling on behalf of my wife. My wife was uh, temporarily laid off in on March 26th, and we were waiting for the ROE, Record of Employment. Mm-hmm. We were told it would come, it would come, and we figured CRA is busy, whatever. We never received it. We didn't stay on top of them. But now, August 19th, just last Wednesday, um, HR has called my wife. She's worked at this place for five years and asked her what she wants to do if she wants to resign. If she wants to resign. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know if she'd be entitled to severance or if we've kind of. Well, no, I mean. A little bit. I don't know. Yeah. So the first thing that you need to know, Steve, is that your wife cannot be forced to resign, right? If they're effectively forcing her to resign, that is a termination. Now, right, I, I think that right now, if your wife's interest is in going back to work, she simply needs to tell them, look, I'm not interested in resigning. I'm interested in going back to work. And then they're going to have a decision to make. They can either invite her back to work um, or they can uh, pay her a severance package. The other thing is that she's been temporarily laid off since March 26th, and if she's been out of work since then, uh, she may have the option of treating this as a constructive dismissal, which also is not a resignation. So I think that at this point, uh, she should ask them to give them give her something in writing. And once she gets something in writing, whether that's, you know, we'd like you to resign or, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to bring you back, um, and... Um, uh, once you have that, that's it's at that time that I think we should be, uh, you know, speaking, and that's the time that she should be contacting us. Okay. 
All right, Steve, appreciate it. We're going to let you go and uh, move on and contact. uh, She should do that number. I'll give it out again. I will continue throughout the show, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But right here and now, you know the number, 416-870-6400. George, thanks for standing by. Good evening. Good evening. Um, The question I have is uh, with regards to uh, uh, non-compete clause in an employment contract are they legal and enforceable well uh that's that's a very good question i mean the the issue with non-competition clauses is that uh, presumptively they're unenforceable so when we're looking at you know whether a non-competition clause is going to be enforced against someone we started the uh, presupposition if that if there's something else that could have been provided that is less intrusive than a non-compete clause then the non-compete clause is generally going to be considered non-enforceable. But here's the thing about that. That's generally speaking cold comfort because if that if the employer wants to enforce that non-competition clause, they're going to bring an injunction, they're going to bring a lawsuit, they're potentially going to bring a lawsuit against the subsequent employer for inducing breach of contract. So that's a mess that you just don't want. So if you're dealing with a non-competition clause, the first thing you need to do is see if you can get the employer to waive it. And if not, you know, that's a time that you may want to call us and, and think about strategies of, you know, getting around it or being able to um, uh, at, at least... Um, maybe accept some kind of employment that's not going to violate the terms of that non-compete clause. But as unenforceable as a non-compete clause can be, you should not go into the situation expecting it to just be voided by a court because getting there is a, vain, a very painful process. Okay. Well, the, the reason I'm asking is like if, if they're going to pay, for example, like a six months worth of severance, mm-hmm. but the non-compete clause is for a year. So they're essentially going to pay for six months of salary, but then tell you for a year you cannot work in a, in a similar business. Well, that's an excellent point, and actually it's a point that I make all the time. My personal view on this is that if you have a non-competition clause that says you can't work for any competitors for a year, that severance package should be at least for a year. Now, the law doesn't work quite that way. It doesn't necessarily match severance packages to, to non-compete clauses, but there's certainly an argument for that, and the law does recognize that severance packages should be longer in the face of a non-compete clause. And I'll tell you something else. When we're negotiating these cases, the very first thing I do is I bring this non-compete clause to the, the employer's attention, and we use the severance package to sort of leverage against the non-compete clause. And typically, the first thing that happens is they waive the non-compete. So, so they're, they're that the best way, actually, to get around a non-compete clause is to have an employment lawyer uh, explain to them the, the liability that's going to be created by that uh, non-compete clause um, and to use that uh, as as leverage, so that is that is definitely the time to deal with it before you sign the release, because that's the time the employer actually has a motivation to waive it. Um, okay, all right. Well, thank you very much. It's been uh, very informative. I listen to the show quite frequently. Thank you. Great. You're uh, very thanks, welcome. George. Really appreciate it. As you know, we do it Wednesday and the weekend shows as well. And anytime you need to reach out, it's a one eight five five. Eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca and any time at all it's like having John with you at all times pocketemploymentlawyer.ca free and absolutely anonymous a ton of employment law information on that website including the severance pay calculator so uh, so check that out we'll take our uh, first break here get right back to it time to fill those phone lines bring it on four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred Monday night edition employment law show Global News Radio.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. It is 721 here. The Employment Law Show reaching out to Mr. Pincus anytime when we're not on air. 1-855-821-5900. That's the one you want to write down. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, catch links to past radio shows and also our TV show as well. So you can enjoy that and view that anytime you like. The 30-minute package on TV. Basically what we do here each week on uh, on radio but here and now 416-870-6400 would be the number kathy thank you for standing by during that break how are you good thank you how are you fantastic thanks for uh, for taking the time what's on your mind um so okay so i'm in the um, hotel industry and for some of us that have been called back We've been basically told by our employer, and again, we don't know what action we can take. It's basically if there's no business coming in, everybody is going to be laid off and temp- um, temporarily, not permanently, uh, because they don't want to pay severance to anybody. But they're more than happy to replace us with um, um, hiring um, lesser paid people to do our jobs. That's one of them. Also, ownership has, without notice, has can't has stopped paying us biweekly. Um, instead, moved us to pay us monthly, um, in hopes that because they don't have the funds and want to collect the subsidy from the government. However, we're told now, now coming up September fourth, we may not get paid because there's no revenue coming into the hotel, and we have. Don't know what to do if when that is told, what, when we were told this today. So basically, right. we're being threatened that if we cannot generate revenue for the hotel, they're not going to pay us. Right. And, and what kind of position uh, do you have with the hotel, Kathy? I have, I'm in sales. I'm in the leadership role. Right. One of the leadership roles. Well, if September 4th comes and goes and, and, and the hotel is operating, albeit at, at perhaps a much uh, lesser degree than it was before, uh, at that point, you are going to be very likely owed a severance package. Right? And they can say, look, we're putting you on a temporary layoff. But if you haven't agreed to temporary layoffs as a term of your employment, uh, then I would get in contact with us because after that September 4th uh, deadline passes, um, there's a lot of people who are going to be owed actual, actually reinstatement. And if they are not reinstated, that's going to be a termination. Uh, so this is, uh, this is an, a situation where you very well may have rights to a severance package. And uh, if you're not interested in, in staying in limbo for, you know, potentially between now and May, which is likely what they're planning on doing, um, right. then this is a call that you should be making. We should be considering bringing a legal action for your, your severance package. Yeah, and that's the question because, I mean, as much as we don't have the proof in writing, we've actually seen the proof um, verbally where the money that they're collecting from the subsidy, the subsidy that they're collecting from the government, Mm -hmm. they're using that to pay other things as opposed to banking it in the payroll, I guess, what you want to call to pay for their employees. They're using that money 
to pay other things as opposed to the employees. Right. Well, uh, it, it may actually not be impossible to prove that, and if that can be proven, then uh, certainly the uh, the law is not going to look kindly on that. Uh, so this definitely sounds like a situation where uh, you should be calling us, and I think, again, after September 4th, uh, this is a case where we uh, probably will want to take the position that your employment has been constructively dismissed, uh, and also that you know this temporary layoff is not being done in good faith. It's being done with a view to replacing uh, you and others with lesser-paid employees. There's a government right. subsidy that clearly could have been used to bring you back to work and they've uh, been using it for improper means so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of bad behavior uh, on the part of the hotel here and uh, you know the way to address it is uh, is through legal action so definitely yeah. uh, I'd, I'd, I'd want to be speaking with you in the next couple of weeks yeah and that, that you definitely will and I mean a lot of the other staff because I'm in the leadership are coming to me with direction and mm-hmm. I'm just like I don't know how to handle that and everybody and what they've done when they've laid off people permanently in the past is they've given them the bare minimal which is basically to them one week for every year that you're there i've been there for for, right yeah so sorry you were about to say you've been there for how long i've been there for almost six years i'm Mm -hmm. 50 years old Mm -hmm. um i've been in this line of work for 18 years so for me to even get it our industry was one of the first to be hit and it's actually going to be one of the last to recover because of um the hospitality industry because of um COVID. so well kathy you're yeah you're someone who I, I would say could be entitled to anywhere between six months to eight months pay in a situation right. like this so um this is this, this is why we have uh, the law of constructive dismissal and this is why employers are obligated to give severance packages right of course that that doesn't necessarily solve all problems because many people are going to be unemployed for longer than the period that the severance package will cover right. but any relief that you can get right now is going to be very important so you recommend that I wait till September 4th, which is supposed to be our payday. And uh, if that doesn't happen, to reach out to you. I, I think it makes sense to wait until September 4th and, and see sort of what they do at that okay. point. Uh, uh, maybe they'll change their mind. Who knows? Maybe they'll even offer you a severance package. Uh, okay. But uh, once that, that date passes, that's definitely the time I'd, I'd get in touch with us. And over the, the next few weeks after that point is when we want to start thinking about taking action. Kathy, appreciate your time. Going to, uh, going to roll on. That number, one 821 5900 Keep it. Yeah, use it in the near future for sure. It is help at employmentlawyer.ca. To reach out to John by email as well. Right here, 416-870-6400. Still got plenty of time to ask your questions, get some answers. Jim, you're up next. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing all right. Thanks. How are you? Beautiful. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Well, I, I work for the traditional call center uh, for telecommunications company. And the verbal abuse that we are expected to take without any recourse, we cannot hang up on a customer, you know, if they swear, call you anything else, um, unless it's racial. Now, me, I I am the token fat white guy. Hmm. Um, And, you know, I I don't get racially insulted. I get um, verbally assaulted, called stupid, uh, I can't use the language that I'm called uh, on air. Um, and when we take this to our management, you know, and I specifically cut and pasted a piece of our code of uh, employee code of uh, conduct 
that says that you cannot talk to a coworker saying this, 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 or this. I said, but I experienced every single one of these on a call, and I'm expected to deal with this. Yeah, no, that that certainly doesn't sound reasonable. You know, a, a reasonable employer in a situation like this should be permitting you to basically tell that that uh, customer that if they continue with that kind of language, that you're going to terminate the call. And if your employer is obligating you to remain on that call uh, while that's going on, then arguably they're fostering and condoning a, a poison work environment and and uh, something that certainly could have uh, psychological impact on the people. Uh, like yourself working in that environment. So this is, you know, the first thing that you're going to have to do, Jim, is you're going to have to decide, do you want this job badly enough um, to stay there despite that, right? Because if you've complained, you've exhausted all avenues with them and, and they're refusing to take it seriously, um, you know, you, you have to sort of decide uh, whether this is something that is worth salvaging. If you think that it's something worth salvaging, then the first step that I would do is I would have uh, one of the legal professionals at our firm write a letter, a very sternly worded letter to this company, that something has to change. And hopefully this can be the start of an organizational-wide change and a cultural change where, um, you know, employee abuse like that is just not permitted uh, because it's really allowing a customer to do that without giving you the option of terminating the call is really no better than permitting it among coworkers. And well, obviously, sorry, go ahead. And, and, and that's my thing, right? I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm in my 50s. This, this is a part-time gig for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, it's a very transient job. There's a lot of, you know, single parents that work in this type of work. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm the person that fights for the person that won't stand up for themselves because they don't know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this: that if if you know a, a client of mine was was uh, speaking in that manner to to me or or you know or an administrative person uh, in our firm, then you know there there would be a there would be a response to that, right? And that's not something that that almost any business will will tolerate. Um, so I don't think that uh, you should be tolerating that level of abuse either. You should have the freedom uh, to feel comfortable to explain politely to these customers that you know if it, if they continue to engage in that behavior you will not be able to continue the conversation with them and if your employer is actually telling you that you must remain on the line uh, despite that uh, then that uh, that that could be the basis of a, a poison work environment uh, constructive dismissal which is a complex thing to accomplish but one of the things that we would start with is I think just writing directly to the company um, and because uh, if nothing else I mean something like this becomes public it could be very embarrassing so the company really should have every incentive to do something about this so I'd recommend that you give us a call off air uh, and so we can have a discussion about this because that is just not not appropriate for the workplace um, and the law does give you the right to certain basic, um, you know, civil uh, work environments. Absolutely, no, and, and that's and that's why, you know, because if we hang up, they they class it as customer mistreat. So hmm. and it, it's really ironic that the customer can mistreat us, but you know, we we can't defend ourselves professionally, and that that gets yeah, very frustrating, mm -hmm. and it gets very tiring. And mm -hmm. you know, we have probably ten to fifteen people. Um, a quarter go on LLA just because they can't handle the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if if it's leading people to literally take a sick leave, I mean, that that right there is is the proof, right? That it's clearly having a psychological impact on people, and uh, it's you know it's an occupational health issue, right? At the end of the day, they may not see it that way, but that's what it is. Okay, yeah, because we just received uh, a new confidential memorandum, and I'm not going to go into detail on that, mm -hmm. stating the only way that we can hang up. 
um, or end a call is we have to tell the customer that, um, you know, their, their behavior is unprofessional, but it can only be if it's racially motivated. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I mean, that, that clearly there are many inappropriate things that a customer can tell you other than racially uh, motivated comments. So here's what I want you to do, Jim. Give us a call off here. Let's go into detail. Then we can talk about the company. We can talk about the people uh, who are responsible for this. And, uh, you know, either a lawyer like myself or a paralegal at our firm uh, will go ahead and, and uh, write to this company and, and put it to them that, you know, these are the consequences of, uh, of not doing that. Uh, of not addressing this and the consequences of very public and very embarrassing uh, legal dispute because this this shouldn't be tolerated. So I think you're right to take action on it. Jim, appreciate the call. And here is those uh, contact numbers again. I'm sure you've got them already, but just in case, it is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the number to reach John after the show. Anytime after that as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. Still plenty of time here to call through. Ask your questions. Four one six eight seven zero. 6400 busy night that's how uh, that's how we like mm-hmm. it in the meantime as we get some more calls uh ready to go here pal i want to get into a couple of these and that is shattering severance myths number one is when you're fired we heard this again from kathy you only receive one or two weeks for every year of service that's got to be the number one myth you get on all the time on the phone lines and at your desk i guess right yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was so glad that, that Kathy mentioned that because that is such a common misconception. And, you know, in her case, this is what her employer was telling her. And this is what employers tell many people that, well, you know, you go on the employment standards, go on the Ministry of Labor. Everything's in the Ministry of Labor. Well, no, no, no. The Ministry of Labor has a very specific function. The Ministry of Labor is there to administer the minimum rights and obligations under the Employment Standards Act. Now, that's a very important function, but when it comes to your severance, it goes well, well beyond the function of the Ministry of Labor. We're talking about your full common law severance. And this is the a difference that in many cases is tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yes, length of service is one of the things we look at. But when we're talking about full common law severance, that's just the beginning. We look at your age. We look at your position. A gentleman earlier that called and mentioned a non-competition clause. That's another thing that we look at. You know, anything that's going to be a barrier to reemployment, a disability, a, a, a mm-hmm. recent pregnancy, new child, these are all things that could very well have the effect of lengthening your severance entitlements. So go on the severance pay calculator and get a sense of sort of where your uh, your range falls and then have a call with us and let's talk about specifically what's most appropriate in your circumstances. Beautiful. Back to the calls and a uh, short pause there to get it uh, rolled up. Uh, Tony, how are you? Good, guys. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's on your mind? My, my question is uh, I've been laid off since April 1st and I haven't been called back to work yet. And I called in and I've been given the advice that I have to wait till September 4th. And then after September 4th, I can ask for my severance. But my question is, if first of all, if that's true. And second of all, if, if I ask for my severance, if we serve them with a letter saying I want my severance, can they at that time say, okay, now we'll take you back to work and I have to go back to work? Or do I get the choice? Good questions. So, you know, in answer to your first question, Tony, do you have to wait until September 4th? Well, technically, you don't have to wait until September 4th. If it's a constructive dismissal, uh, then it's a constructive dismissal the moment that they place you on a temporary layoff. If you haven't agreed to a temporary layoff, if you've, uh, and certainly if you haven't been temporarily laid off before, that, as far as the law is concerned and has been concerned for a very long time, is a constructive dismissal. That being said, there's an additional factor that will come into play after September 4th because at that point, the 
temporary changes to the Employment Standards Act will end. So the existence of a constructive dismissal will be all the more clear for anyone that hasn't been recalled by September 4th. So that's not to say that you can't do it right now, but it's probably wise to wait until September 4th. If for no other reason than on September 4th that you may find that they, uh, that they offer you a severance package. Now, as right. for the second question... Um, if they decide, you know, after you, you know, after you've sought your severance with with an employment lawyer, if they decide to call you back, can they do that? Yes, they can do that. And if they recall you back to work, that could have an impact on your severance package. But it's only going to have an impact on your severance package from the moment they recall you back to work and afterwards. So if they recall you back to work and it's basically the same job and it's the same environment and there isn't really a reason to refuse it other than, you know, maybe you don't feel great about going back, then the law will say you are expected to go back to mitigate your losses. And if you don't go back at that point to mitigate your losses, the law will not compensate you from that point onward. So let's say you'd be entitled normally to a 12-month severance package, right? So from April 1st of this year to April 1st of next year. Well, but if they call you back six months after April 1st, so if, you know, if you're getting called back at the beginning of October, uh, then the law will say, we're only going to compensate you up to that point because you had an opportunity to continue working, and if you decided not to go back, that's your decision, and we won't punish the company for that. Oh, okay. All right, I understand. So then, so basically, they can say once I ask for my severance, they can say, "Well, no, come back to work," and then at that point, I have to go back. I can't really ask for my severance, or, or I can only no, ask not exactly, not exactly. So you can still decide that you're treating your employment as constructively dismissed, and they will owe you severance up to that point. So you know, to give you an extreme example of that. There was one case uh, about one or two years ago. An individual was laid off for about three weeks, and after three weeks, he was recalled back to work. Uh, now, you think in a situation like that, okay, he was recalled back to work three weeks later, so he has his job. Well, he decided not to take it. So what's the result of that? Well, the result was it was still a constructive dismissal. Even though it was only three weeks that this person was out of work, uh, that person was still entitled to a severance package for those three weeks. So the length of time, even if they recall you back to work later, it's still a constructive dismissal. You're still entitled to compensation. You just have to make sure that you're comfortable with your decision not to go back to work, right? You should not go back to work because you want a severance package. If you've decided that you want another career, you want to work elsewhere, then that's, that's fine. That's your decision. And there's still a severance entitlement to be gained there. The only thing that I recommend to people in that circumstance is just really make sure that you're comfortable with your decision not to go back to work. Because generally speaking, once you make the decision, you, you can't really go back on it. So it's compensation on all the years I've worked, right, that I'd be asking for? It's compensation right? based on your age and your position and your yeah. length of service. So how long have you been working there? Uh, 17 years. 17 years. And what's, uh, what, what's the job you have with them? I'm in sales, so okay. I have uh, part commission, part uh, salary. And, and how old are you, Tony? Fifty-five. Yeah, so you're, you're probably entitled to up to a year and a half of your pay if it's a termination, right? Um, right. So, you know, probably anywhere between kind of 16 months to 18 months pay. But um, in the event that, you know, they call you back after you've only been out of work for six months, despite the fact that you could have an entitlement up to 18 months pay, your entitlement will end at that 6-month mark because that's the point that you had an opportunity to keep working, right? So, you know, we could be in a situation where you've been constructively dismissed and you're entitled to a severance package, but that severance package could be cut off by the recall date if they're actually able to recall you. Okay. Thank you for your help. 
You're welcome. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate that. You want to reach out, 1-855-821-5900. That is the number. Uh, i got to get to Bill here. Bill, thanks for standing by. Good evening. Good. How are you doing today, guys? Good, Billy. What's uh, what's on your mind? Good. So I'm just calling on behalf of my sister. Uh, about six weeks ago, she lost her seven-year-old child. And um, about 30 days went by pretty much to the date, and her employer had called her wondering when she was coming to work. So I'm just wondering what her options are. She's not really in, uh, you know, good mind right now to worry about stuff like that. Right, right. Well, that's that's uh, very, very sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, well, there's, there's a couple issues here, Bill. Uh, so the first issue is that your sister is entitled if she's a um, – what, what, what's, what's the industry of the employer? Just so, um, so it would be like uh, a factory, like uh, automotive. Oh, okay. Automotive, I guess. Okay, so they're going uh, to be non-union, pre- non-union. Right, non-union. Okay. Well, I yeah. mean, non-union or not, they're going to. They're, it's a provincially regulated company if they're manufacturing. So uh, there is a bereavement. Uh, there is a bereavement leave, and there are various leaves under the Employment Standards Act. At the very least, the bereavement leave would apply here, which is. Uh, uh, a two two weeks of a leave of absence. So what they're probably responding to is the fact that the uh, bereavement leave in the Employment Standards Act has passed. But you know the idea here is that of course um, that is a, um, a devastating uh, loss to be uh, experiencing. So it, I, I think that um, uh, sorry actually no this one would be child death leave. Uh, there is actually a, a specific uh, leave uh, for. Um, uh, for death leave, or for child death leave, uh, and that uh, is going to be a different uh, a different period. So that leave is actually uh, up to 104 weeks if the child of that employee dies. So that's the one that applies here. So that one is probably going to be enough to protect her job. So if, if she's not able to come back to work, one of the things that she may want to do is say, look, I understand that there's a, a child death uh, child death leave, and you can look that up on the Ministry of Labor's website, um, and that certainly uh, is much more uh, than um, 30 days um, if she's been employed there for more than six months. The other issue here is that if she has a uh, if she has a medical condition that's not allowing her to come back to work, even if that condition is temporary, she should get a note from her doctor to say, "Look, this is not someone who's psychologically able to go back to work." So, combined with those two things, the child death leave um, and um, any note that she may get from a doctor, uh, this is someone who is um, is going to be entitled to have her job protected. And and certainly, the last thing that she should be stressing about right now when dealing with such an unimaginably uh, devastating uh, situation. So where where would she go to apply for that job test? So the thing with statutory leaves is you don't have to physically apply for it. Now every company may have their own system. There may be a form that you have to fill out, but really what you have to, your obligation uh, to do is that you have to notify the employer in writing. Um, you're supposed to provide your employer with uh, a plan that talks about the number of weeks that you're planning on taking the leave. So she should, and, and she can do that in an email to basically say, look, um, this is the, you know, this is the leave that I'm taking. I'm taking a child death leave. I understand that under the Employment Standards Act, a child death leave is up to uh, 104 weeks. Here's how long I'm planning on taking at this point. 
if there's any changes in that plan, uh, then uh, she has to uh, give them notice, uh, at least four weeks' notice of the change in the plan. But there's no specific forms that attach to it. So as long as she tells them by email or, or something in writing, uh, then that is going to satisfy the requirements under the Employment Standards Act for child death leave. Bill, that's the last call of the night. I appreciate that. If you didn't get on, I know we have a few people standing by. That's okay. You can make the phone call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred at a later time. One eight five five. 821-5900. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for much more information. No reason for you to move a muscle, though. On point, Alex Pearson returns next. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.